Hello, this is Austin from All Things Elite, and I just wanted to open up this show uh, real quick to just take notice of what's been going on recently in the world of professional wrestling. If you've been on Twitter, I'm sure you've seen all of the hashtag speaking out posts that have been going out about certain female wrestlers and female fans who have had some difficult experiences um, when it comes to certain wrestlers. And we know that one of the wrestlers that we talk about on this show specifically um, is one of those wrestlers that was brought up in accusations, and that would be Jimmy Havoc. We fully support and stand by these women who are brave enough to speak out against these certain accusations and make these accusations. But this show is really trying to focus on the positive and just wants to be an entertaining show that people can just enjoy and not worry about what's going on in the world. We want to be an escape for people. So we aren't going to focus on any of these accusations surrounding Jimmy Havoc or any other wrestlers. We're just going to focus on covering everything, all, all things elite. That's just what we want to do. We want to cover AEW and we want to bring it to you guys and do it in an entertaining fashion. So we still 100% stand with these people, but we just want to be uh, an escape for you guys. So we hope you enjoy the show. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome to the 66th episode of Social Suplexes Podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz and I am your host for this lovely, lovely show. And joining with me, as always, is my good friend Floyd. Floyd, how you doing, my man? I am doing well as can be. Uh, we are recording on Sunday this week, which is not usual. I want to wish Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, especially to Austin and Sydney's dad. Hey, he yeah. made he made two of my favorite people in the world, so that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy Father's Day to my dad, uh, and Happy Father's Day to everybody else's dads. Hope you're having a nice day and a relaxing Sunday. And yeah, we're here to talk about AEW for this week. They've got a lot of stuff coming up in the future, and we had some really big highlights to cover. But real quick, before we get into the show, I want to be sure to start off to remind you 
that this episode of All Things Elite is brought to you by PowerSlam TV. PowerSlam TV is where you get access to over 4,000 hours of content from over 110 of your favorite wrestling brands from countries all around the globe, right on your laptop and mobile devices. And if you use the code Social Suplex, you'll get your first month completely free. Also, I want to make sure you are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and a review. And if you are so inclined, you can leave a donation through our new podcast provider, Red Circle. And be sure to support us by following us on Twitter. Follow the podcast at AT Elite Pod. Follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Follow myself at SZoomer4. And follow Floyd at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, let's start off the big news of the week. And this was a good this is a good week for news because we have two brand new wrestlers. Who have signed with All Elite Wrestling. And those two wrestlers are Abaddon and Ricky Starks. Now they had a big presence on this week's Dynamite. And I could not be more happy. Specifically, I'm really excited for Abaddon. Because she was on Dark a couple months ago. And when we saw her this week and just how she took on... I believe she she took on Anna Jay. Am I, not, am I correct? You are correct, sir. Alright, yes. And Abaddon just... Jim Ross's response really said it all. She, he was flabbergasted by her entrance and her appearance and just the way she just oozed charisma and this horror vibe. And I'm a big <clears throat> horror movie fan, so I can appreciate somebody who really takes their time and makes a horror gimmick that works. And Abaddon's gimmick really, really works, and I'm excited to see what she can do. And Ricky Starks, obviously, we had Floyd talk about him last week on the show when we were talking about the TNT Open Challenge. So, Floyd, what are your responses to these signings? Okay, Ricky Starks, he was doing a gimmick online that he was the hottest free agent in wrestling. And a lot of people believe that. The NWA did want him back. Uh, Mr. Joe Lanza from uh, Voices of Wrestling, which you will hear me bring up because it's one of my favorite podcasts. Um, he, he had talked about him for years. I saw him for the first time at NWA 70. He has the swagger confidence and i say swagger for back of black of a better term but he has this very much the swagger about him that uh that can't be taught his promo his promo today is uh with cody on this week's show was amazing uh and you know he's one of those things it's been pointed out to me how good he is at selling i'll talk about more about that during the match but i am very happy to have ricky starks on and it was funny because uh tony's uh, Tony uh, Khan told a story that he literally just brought him in for one match. It wasn't a tryout match or anything. It was just bringing him in for one match. He was so impressed by the match that he immediately tried to sign him after the match was over and did not finalize their agreement till the night of this show. That's crazy. And honestly, from seeing that match that we'll talk about in the, uh, later in the show... It makes sense why they would want to go and pick up Ricky Starks because he's definitely a talent that can do some good stuff. And like I said before, Abaddon is somebody who I think could give the women's division a lot of really good character. And I think it's a great signing. So shout out to these two for yeah. getting the signings. Yeah, she gave me very much this a week female, we also, oh. Papa, uh, female Papa Shango Undertaker vibe. And I just think, you know, in a show that's all about variety, uh, that's even a different piece that hasn't been there really. Oh yeah, another Demon Finn Balor is one of the things I saw too when I saw uh, Abaddon's entrance again. I'm just like, oh, this is a good signing. This is a good pickup. 
Now, also this week we had Being the Elite, so we had some highlights from their episode, which was called Take It Home. We got Take It Home, obviously, described by Broken Matt Hardy, which is still a lovely segment. CD, man, after talking last week about his colonoscopy, just loved to just go on and on and on about the every single detail. And Tony Schiavone, sadly, had to just had to hear everything he was going on about. It was just, he wouldn't stop. And then Frankie Kazarian, I will say, solid, solid uh, impression of, uh, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? He was uh, Jim Cornette. He had a, because that's all I could hear when he did that voice in that in that uh, segment. All I could hear was Jim Cornette out of that segment. And it was just, he he pulled that off really well. Um, I gotta say, the gigging that Matt Matt Jackson did to try to get to the bathroom, I did not really expect to see uh, Michael Nakazawa on the toilet pooping blood because that's what what the hell and that opened that opened the being the elite which I was just like, well we're off to the races we have a pantsless Michael Nakazawa pooping blood, cool I guess that's just what we deal with. Um, but yeah, over overall, it was a pretty it was a pretty solid being the elite. Nothing too huge happened. We had a little confrontation between Private Party and Hangman Page, and as well as uh, Nick Jackson, who talked about how fans weren't really behind their segment and just straight up said that they were just gonna pull them from being the elite. And they were like, "Oh no, no, man, you're joking around." But then once Nick said he was dead ass, then he knew they knew. He wasn't messing around. This was legit. He yeah. was shooting from the hip. Yeah, I had two comments from the show. First, the crap in blood made me think of the South Park episode about, oh, Chipo- about Chipotle. So I was all I could think when I saw that is Michael Nakazawa must have had Chipotle earlier in the day. <laughs> I mean, the first that was the first thought. Second is the whole uh, this conversation with it was me talking to my nieces and nephews. Um, <laughs> It was like, yeah, they're like a lot younger than me, and we had a completely different slang than they do. And I feel like my parents did when they would listen to me. And, you know, we'd be like, you can't. The thing I think is different is that you could use the real word with me, right? And I would know what you were talking about. But yes, with the generation I have now, if you say you're serious, they're like, they kind of looking at you like I don't believe you, but then if you bust out dead ass, which means I am dead ass serious. No, it's just shortened. You know, I uh, you know if you say dead ass, they're like, oh, now I believe you, even though I <laughs> you pretty much said the same thing. So that look when he said dead ass, and then they started reacting. <laughs> And, you know, and he said they were canceled. So it was even it was even funny yeah. because canceled means a whole different thing these days than uh, then, you know, it used to. I mean, so it was just like a very awkward conversation that I've had many, many times. I once traveled from Oklahoma City to Atlanta with my nephew, who's roughly 20 years younger than me. And all our conversations were painfully awkward. So, I mean, I mean, I'm just like as the old relative, old guy of social suplex. I will tell you, yes, I have. I am my parents now. I have a problem understanding what people are talking about. 
Dude, I'm 23, and I still have to deal with, like, younger siblings or, uh, like, relatives or just younger kids. And, like, they're, like, in, like, middle school to high school. And I sometimes just do not understand what the hell they're talking about. Like, anything that's on TikTok, I don't, I just, I don't know. I just don't, I don't use it. I don't know what it is. It's just, like, makes no sense to me. But whatever. Yeah, the so only thing I can 100%. The only TikTok videos I see are the ones that are, like, embedded in Twitter accounts, where if you're scrolling down, they just exactly, play automatically. Yeah. But I've never been on the site TikTok. It's TikTok site. I don't even know if it has a site. I've never used the app. I mean, no, I know I think, Lana. I think, I think it's just an app. <laughs> yeah, I, I know Lana fucking yeah. loves it. You know, I don't know. It's not It's not for me. It's, it, it, it's not for me. And people's like, it's for everybody. Not really. Because ten second videos of people doing dances, eh, not really my thing. I did uh, the one thing I really liked though. I will say this is way off topic, but the way, one thing I did like was when like all the female wrestlers. I think they were from WWE when they did that "Don't Rush" thing, where like they were in just casual clothing and then they just put their hands to the camera and then all of a sudden they're in their gear. I thought that was kind of cool. It was like a cool little like girl power sort of thing. I know the words, but anyway, I know the words to "Don't Rush" because of all the "Don't Rush" videos. It's all over the place. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd never. And I love, I love, I love UK rap too. I'm a big UK rap fan, but like, just that song was just all people know from that. I was like, I like, I like grime, but apparently nobody cares about that. They just like the song for TikTok. Yeah, it's like I've I had never heard the song "Don't Rush" before this challenge, and I knew all the words because there was like a hundred videos with "Don't Rush," and you know some of my friends were a part of them, and they were great. I thought they were all good. It's just like I said, the song got a little repetitive after a while. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Anyways, after that very off-topic uh, discussion, let's get into the results from this week's AEW Dark. We had Jurassic Express taking on and getting the victory over Capital Vices and John Cruz. Then we had Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian of SCU take on Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. First of all, Avalon tried to throw Cutler's brand new dice away, and that was mean. And then we've also discovered uh, in commentary for this match that Taz really does not like uh, Christopher Daniels. So that might be something we may have to be looking over our shoulders, seeing if Brian Cage ends up getting sicked on CD. So we'll have to see what ha- that happens. We had Danny Jordan taking on Big Swole, but Big Swole ended up getting the victory. Lance Archer just beat down David Ali. Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss teamed up, and they faced Sean Dean and Musa, and they ended up getting the win as well. We had the weird team of Brandy and Ali taking on Red Velvet and Kenzie Page, those two who have been butting heads over the whole natural nightmare situation in QT. They were able to get the victory nonetheless. Sean Spears took on Lee Johnson and got the win. We had Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order, which was really nice to see them, and they got the victory over Brady Pierce and John Schuyler. Jimmy Havoc got a victory over Griffin Garrison. And then Penelope Ford, the number one contender that we found for the AEW Women's Champion, took on and beat Skyler Moore. And then Scorpio, Scorpio Sky took on Robert Anthony and got the victory. And those 
With the results for AEW Dark. Uh, yeah, and we'll just throw some notes in there. Uh, Sean Spears beat Lee Johnson with a sharpshooter, which... Yeah. And the glove actually didn't work any way into the match. So I do like that they're saving that. It seems like they're going to be saving that for more important matches. Brandy and Allie. Allie faked an injury until Brandy got to the upper hand and actually beat her opponent. Then Allie came in and put her foot on... The opponent and got the uh, one, two, three. I thought that was great. I'm looking forward to whenever Brandy and Allie have a match. Um, Uno and Stu are one of my favorite tag teams. Uh, I just think they are. I think they're pretty amazing together, and they. I'm looking forward to what they can do. They were the number one contenders before they left. Well, before COVID happened. So they dropped down to number five. Hopefully with travel restrictions being uh, lifted, they can uh, go ahead and get that match that they were going to get. Penelope Ford's bridge. Oh my God. Her and Kip with the dog before the match was fucking hilarious. I got to say, it's just Kip being her man candy is amazing to me. And her bridge, I will say this every week, as long as I see it, is the best bridge in professional wrestling. I mean, she gets deep on that bridge, and that is impressive. And Scorpio Sky looks like he is getting pushed as a single competitor. He actually beat Robert Anthony easier than John Moxley did on the same show like a week or two before which is that's kind of that shows you how much they're looking at believing in Scorpio Sky going forward I'm really glad that they're really taking the time to have Scorpio go for singles competition because we saw that when he took on Chris Jericho just he's not just one third of SCU like that's not the case with any of them I feel like Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian they've really proven themselves that they're they're good on their own or they're good separately in different types of team team uh, formations. But Scorpio Sky is the guy that I'm, I'm really happy that they're, they seem to be putting the fire underneath to get Scorpio some singles competition and having a victory like that. Yeah. Like you said, he, he had a better, better opportunity and better chance with beating Robert Anthony and he pulled it off and did it better than John Moxley, which, Hey, that's something people should take a look at. I think so. If you haven't seen, AW Dark, be sure to check it out on All Elite Wrestling's YouTube channel. And right now, we're going to talk about All Elite Wrestling's Dynamite for this week. But before we do, we just want to let you know who is another one of our sponsors for this show. Support for All Things Elite is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. All right, and I am the one that received the Manscaped information, uh, information, and I got it. And I, let me tell you, I am way too much information. I am not a super hairy man at all. So I was looking at the stuff like, what, you know, what the hell could I do with it? So hand it over to the wife to open up the box and talk to me. I have been working out for the last month. Uh, as I've been starting on my get healthier journey, I had kind of neglected my health over the last year or so. I'm a type 2 diabetic. You say, what's this have to do with anything? Well, when you start working out, your body starts doing something that it's not used to. It's called sweating. And I don't do that very often. Well, when you sweat, 
You know, even when you shower and things like that, your body's being more active, you start getting odors in places that you don't want odors. So the first thing my wife was like, chuck me over the ball deodorant, and she's like, use that. And then she had the trimmers, and I was like, she had the trimmers, and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't really need that. She, and you know what? I found out I did. So it was like I'm looking at this stuff that I thought I had no use for, and the person that it matters to more than anything, even more than myself, my wife, is the person it matters to most. She's telling me, you know, hey, use this shit. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, what, a week or two? I think we've had got it like eight days ago. It wasn't that long ago. And she's already satisfied with the results. Uh, there's one other uh, creams that you put on. She says that she liked that and she's been using it as a lotion because it smells good. So that's kind of funny. But yeah, it, it, it definitely seems like this package uh, has everything you need. Uh, the groomer, uh, uh, the razor uh, works with perfection. I think it's almost impossible to nick yourself. I'm not going to tell anyone to try because I imagine that would hurt. But I wasn't able to. So I definitely, definitely, uh, I definitely approve and support the use of Manscaped. Yeah, big shout out to Manscaped for sponsoring us. We uh, genuinely uh, really appreciate yes, it. Yes, and I if you use the code SUPLEX... At manscaped.com, you get 20% off plus free shipping. Not 20% off or free shipping. You get both. So use the code SUPLEX. It helps support the show. And we love doing the show. So, hey, hook us up. Yeah, thank you so much. Now, let's get into this week's AEW Dynamite. We opened up with the tag team title match. Between the Natural Nightmares, QT and Dustin Rhodes, versus the champions, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. We knew going into this matchup that Allie was not going to be at ringside because Dustin and Brandy kind of pulled QT to the side and said, Look, we're just going to, let's go into this. We don't want any distractions. We want you to be 100% prepared for this match. We'll have Allie not come to ringside for this match. And this match had some great... Great moves. We had a quick attempt for a one-winged angel on Dustin Rose, but Dustin was able to get out of the way real quick and hit a good elbow on him. There was a lot of great moves. QT really pulled a great dropkick on Hangman Page and had some really good spots on this match. And QT also got to hit the Diamond Cutter, which was gifted to him by Diamond Dallas Page, um, which was really cool. But, however... After he hit the diamond cutter on Hangman Adam Page, Allie did come out, as I expected, that she just can't stay out the way. She comes out and starts cheering on QT from the ramp. QT, QT then, it seems like, got a little bit too in his head thinking that he could put this away, like, in a flashy way. He tries for a moonsault off the top rope. But Kenny Omega gets out of the way, and then they quickly isolate QT and then just start going with their tag team offense, their tandem offense, and then just repeatedly beat the hell out of them. But just all of a sudden, they hit the last call on QT, and Kenny Omega gets the pinfall, and Kenny and Hangman retain their tag team titles, and they will be defending their title belts at Fighter Fest. Now, Floyd, I know you probably have a lot to say on this match. What would you think? Okay, 
Tony Schiavone, I believe is what summed it up, is uh, QT's whole gimmick up. He's like, 2T moves in a way and does stuff you wouldn't think of people, someone that was shaped like him could do. I was like, that is the whole gimmick. If QT went out, like, actually went vegan, did CrossFit, and actually got in shape, it would absolutely ruin his gimmick. He has to look the way he does. Because you got this kind of balding guy that's kind of doughy doing flip moves over the top rope. And he can nip up. And then he has the diamond cutter now. It's just like his whole gimmick is that you look like you do, but you shouldn't be able to do what you can. Who, Which he very much held his own in his match. Uh... Kenny going for the one-wing angel on Dustin was really, really cool because I, you know, Dustin's probably one of the largest people as far as height-wise that Kenny uh, works with, and I didn't even know if he could do the one-wing angel on someone as tall as Dustin. It proved to me he can. Also, um, also when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at the match, it was just very much. Kenny and Hangman trying to get their timing back, and they were clearly the better tag team. And, like, yeah, right after Kenny went for his finisher, Dustin tried to do his Canadian Destroyer. Who who could say this? That in 2020, a guy that I saw first wrestle in 1992 or 91, Dustin Rhodes, would be doing a Canadian Destroyer as one of his finishers. This yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, this guy has been wrestling since I was a child. I'm almost a 40-year-old man now. And I was a child when he started wrestling. And he's still wrestling, and not only is he wrestling, he's, you, you know, it's proof that you can, an uh, old dog can learn new tricks. Because Dustin Rhodes can teach you more about wrestling, you know, knows more about wrestling, or probably forgot more about wrestling than I'll ever know. So it's not that you can teach a dog new trips, but the fact that he would uh, actually, you know, engage and try to evolve to work a style that works in 2020 is pretty amazing and awesome. Hangman Page, you know, it's one of those things I feel like right now, he needs the live crowd to be himself to really catch the momentum of how over he was before COVID happens. But when it when he, he does get back, I think he'll be right where he is. But it's just without the crowd, it's just missing a little something with him. And I, you know, I feel like the tag team, and this might be my opinion only, has kind of run its course. It was cool, but it was supposed to be setting up something. Now you're kind of just waiting on that thing to happen instead of actually, you know, like, oh, I'm rooting for this team. I'm just waiting on for one of them to turn on each other. Do you feel me on that? Yeah, no, and I, de- I definitely think that we might be seeing some seeds sown in Fighter Fest, and I think it's just because um, we've been so accustomed to them being a tag team, and I think a lot of fans especially uh, really want to see that Kenny Omega that they remember seeing in New Japan when he took on people like Okada and all these people are talking like I, I know a lot of people are like kind of disappointed with hang with a uh, sorry uh, Kenny Omega in the ring just because we've seen him every single week almost and people want those just 
wrestling clinics that he puts on and where he's just where he shows you why he's considered one of the best wrestlers in the world and i think as a tag team he still goes like nobody else but they're just waiting for that moment where everything explodes because i think a singles match that goes for a good time like good long while between kenny and hangman is just gonna be fucking crazy good and i think everyone's just they see the finish line but the road that we have ahead, they just want to get straight to the finish line. But I think I think we're going to get there sooner than we think, personally. Not having patience is something very big in the wrestling uh, industry, especially with AEW. And it being fairly new, they want everything they want to happen. Now, I'm actually going through that with FTR. That, you know, I want them in the bucks, like, right now. But mm-hmm. I know it's going to build to it. I know that uh, it's going to, when they do it, it's going to matter. And when they do, you know, then the tag team titles will eventually be involved. And it's just, you got to wait and let it happen. I know I know we're used to instant gratification. You know, all the information that we have at the tip of our hands. It's just sometimes you have to let stuff build out. And Kenny Omega, the whole thing about it is... If you look at New Japan, his great matches, except doing G1 time, you know, singles matches are months apart in New Japan. So the mm-hmm. great thing about Kenny Omega is that it was kind of spread out, and when he had a great match, it was special. So I love the fact that AEW doesn't give you full Kenny Omega every time because they know things get old. As soon as you do something more than twice... Everybody's like, oh, they're just doing that again. You know, that's what happens. Things get old so quick now. You know, because, you know, whatever. People get on YouTube or whatever. Things get old really quick. So, a Kenny Omega 30-minute amazing match to a wrestling purist, they might not ever get tired of that. But your audience would get tired of that. I still think about that Pac match that they had in Kansas City, and it was so amazing. And now I'm ready for another one, and I'm kind of itching for another one. But you think about it, it's been four months since he's had that match. So it is going to build in excitement and anticipation when he does finally wrestle in the singles match again. Yeah, and I think that's just you want to make fans excited for when he's going to have one of those matches because... You don't want to just have this like these seventy minute like just wars every single week. Like the variety of having Kenny be in the tag team is great because we get to see him in a different outlet that we're not used to. And it may not be people's favorite iteration of Kenny, and it may not be what people want to see from Kenny like all the time. But variety is the biggest thing that helps AEW succeed because it keeps pe- it keeps people tuning in because they want to see the different things that they can see. So I think we're going to get to the point where Kenny can just fully just get into a singles war with somebody, most likely Hangman, when that turn eventually happens and then the team just falls apart. And when we do get that pay-per-view level matchup for Kenny to compete in a singles competition, he's going to just blow the roof off and you can only hope that by the time that Kenny has that singles match on on a pay-per-view that fans will be able to enter the arenas again because they will be losing their minds yeah Kenny goes into his full mode yeah Kenny doesn't have bad matches I mean he really doesn't uh, his his low is good 
His low, like, he doesn't go average. He doesn't even go above average. His low, his the low of his bar is good. Even when he had that Allen Angels match and people thought he gave him too much, it was a good match. That's what he does. He is a performer, and, you know, he's a performer extraordinaire wrestling his art, and he paints beautiful pictures every time he's in that ring. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to whenever he does what he does. I love any time he's in a ring because you know he's going to do a good job uh, wrestling. Totally, totally. Now, up next, we had the star of the show, Anna Jay, taking on the new signing, Abaddon. She... I mean, like they, Tony Schiavone said, this has got to be a, considered an upset. Anna Jay got beat by Abaddon in relatively quick fashion, and it was quite shocking to see Abaddon get the victory that quickly. She hit her with a step of her karana and just threw her face to the ground and then just got the pinfall victory. Considering that this match, before it took place, we had a small little video package talking about the star of the show, Anna Jay. Having Abaddon come in and then just completely knock her down was quite surprising and then what was even more surprising was what happened after the match which was when the dark orders music played and the exalted one mr brody lee comes out with all of his minions surrounding him we had Cole cabana who was on ringside who was very concerned when they came out and evil uno gave Cole some large envelope that had almost like a contract or tony giovanni asked if it was some sort of offer or maybe marching orders and then the dark order and the minions helped Anna Jay out of the ring and walked her back through the tunnel. It's We yeah. haven't seen the Dark Order go for any of the female talent on the roster, but this is the first time we've ever seen them go down this route, and it's very interesting because we still don't know necessarily what's going on with Colt and the Dark Order. We're still not fully... We don't know exactly what's happening. And then with Anna Jay, we have no idea what they want with Anna Jay. I guess they want to get some female empowerment on their team as well it's just they're slowly growing more and more and more with their with their whole organization that they have all right so thoughts first of all on abaddon winning i loved it uh the whole idea of the the video package for anna j talking about how she got into wrestling how important this was it set the match up like she was about to squash whatever opponent she had and if and then Abaddon had this big, amazing, uh, you know, entrance, and it was so awesome and scary. And she came in the ring and just ran through her. I just thought that was just brilliant. I ain't even putting all caps. That's what I'm talking about that night on Twitter. It was just, it was brilliant because I I think there are some things that you've learned in wrestling, whether you want it to or not. Whoever gets the intro package and gets talked about and stuff is going to win. They're going to get them over. That's the point of it. And uh, AEW is teaching you already to subvert your thinking. Don't do that. Now, the next time they have a video package, and probably the next time, five times, the person in the video package is probably going to win. But you always are going to have that doubt in your mind on whether they lose that match because of this Abaddon situation. And Abaddon, I think, uh, and this might, you know, I'm just grasping at straws, but of course this is an opinion show. I feel like the reason she signed 
it's because of all the injuries that's happening around. You had Britt Baker go down. You had Chris Statlander go down. B. Priestley can't get into the country. You don't really have that opponent for Hikaru Shida before you know you go back to Nyla or anything. So you 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 bring in somebody a monster that she has to overcome. Which she already beat on Dark, but, you know, Abaddon's this force now that just won that match. She immediately has a spot in the company. And if you keep her strong, she can be that person for you. And it's like, not she's not going to have amazing matches. That's not her thing. The thing is mostly going to probably be the people that she wrestles surviving her. And I just think that was a brilliant way to book her. I'm glad she's with the company. Because you know what? Go out, get over. That's your job. And I think her whole gimmick went out and got over. Now, as far as Anna Jay to the Dark Order. Dark Order has been being compared to Vince McMahon for a while now. That is the clear. If you look at Anna Jay. She is attractive and she is blonde. What does Vince McMahon love? What you just said. Yes, so she kind of fits into the idea of what this Vince McMahon type character would want in a woman. Now, the thing is, is he going to make her wear a mask? Now, if she has to wear a mask, I'm going to think that's awesome, but I would think that's where they start going away from Vince McMahon because Vince would never take someone that pretty and put a mask on them. Vince hates masks anyway. He doesn't even like his fans to wear masks at the shows. You know, so he really hates mm. masks. So, uh, no, but uh, <laughs> but seriously, I, I do like a woman being involved in the Dark Order. I think it adds to it. The Dark Order is kind of like a low, a mid-card NWO. And the fact is that they're going to be in, the fact that they would be involved in every tag division, in every division. They have the, uh, they have the Beaver Brothers, uh, Alex Silver and I forgot John, whatever. Uh, they have those. Uh, I guess they're five and six, but uh, Silver and Reynolds, Alex Reynolds. So they have those in the tag team division. Then they have Eno, Evil Uno, and Stu in the tag team division. In the singles division, they have Mr. Brody, of course. Then they signed Angels, and then they signed uh, Preston Vance, which was ten. Right. So now they need a presence in the women's division and, you know, putting her in the women's division and a J, a big name that they brought in. That would be great. And then, you know, you, you have the stuff we'll talk about later with Colt Cavana getting the envelope. It's like the Dark Order is weaved just like. You know, they said we are one and we are everywhere was one of their catchphrases. They are literally weaved into every division in AEW now. And that's a good way of making sure that their 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 staying power is possible because having that much connection with that with that team really helps make them seem so much bigger because that's the biggest thing that you want to get with the Dark Order is the fact that they want to seem like they're everywhere and that, like, and something could happen where, like, all of a sudden a struggling wrestler could get approached by the Dark Order and it's very possible they could go to where the Dark Order wants them to go. So it's it's definitely seeing them move down this route and having some names like Kokoban and Anna Jay that are getting approached, that's pretty damn big. And I think it's something that 
it's going to keep people's intrigue on the Dark Order for a very long time. Absolutely. And like I said, I'm looking forward to where they go next. That's the big thing with AEW, and I think they're doing better than every wrestling company in the world now. Every mm-hmm. week, every week, you wonder where they're going next. You really do, yeah. And I think that's a huge positive for them, for sure. Now, we had Billy, the leader of the gun club, taking on MJF, who we were, we are very well aware that he is still number one ranked in the AEW rankings. These guys, they put on a great match. We've seen Billy, Billy Gunn and MJF take on take on each other before. We saw that in the first actual match in AEW at Double or Nothing last year in the Casino Battle Royal. And they did a little bit of an, uh, uh, a nod to that moment, too, where MJF was just sucking, yucking it up and just shouting at the crowd, shouting at people at home, and then he backs up all of a sudden, and Billy Gunn's just towering over him because just the size difference there is just he is pretty big. This match ended up finishing off with... Billy ended up hitting his finisher on MJF, but then Wardlow distracts Billy and... Um, after he gets knocked down, he throws the dynamite di- di- the dynamite diamond ring to MJF, and Aubrey Edwards did not see it. And while Wardlow was taking on, was fighting with the Gun Club on the outside, Billy gets up and then hits him with the right hand with the diamond ring, and then just pins him for the knockout punch. And in 2020, MJF has still been undefeated uh, going into this year, and it's a huge moment too. And also, after the match, Wardlow and MJF got into a little, uh, got into a brawl with Jungle Ex- uh, Jurassic Express, and like wrestlers had to come and pull these guys apart. And Wardlow and Luchasaurus ha- seem like they're going to be going at it in the future, and that's a match that I think could be super good. So, what do you think of this whole thing? Yeah, I thought this was um, a f- old school type match where. Um, you know, MJF, you knew he was going to somehow cheat the win or whatever, and you were just kind of waiting on it. The thing about it is, and this might be an unpopular opinion, and this is just serious, I would never book Billy Gunn wrestling, ever. The reason being, he makes your roster look so small. Like, Luchasaurus is built as a big guy, and Wardlow is built as a big guy. Billy Gunn is bigger than both of them. Mm-hmm. He, he, I'm just saying, it's just an optics thing. He makes your company look so tiny. Because Luchasaurus, it, like, when he first came out at the Casino Battle Royale, he was this towering giant that kind of towered over everybody, and it was like, this is awesome. And then Billy Gunn comes in, and he's just, just as tall as him. Just which like, is, yeah, which is crazy because when you see when you see him on TV, you don't expect him to be that tall, but he is. Yeah, and you know, and Billy Gunn was never considered or built as a big man in wrestling. He he wasn't. You know, he was in the land of giants in the WWE, so it just makes him seem kind of small. I love Billy Gunn, and I think as far as you know what he might bring backstage and knowledge of wrestling, that's all amazing. But. Good lord, he's so much bigger than everybody else. It's just... Oh, yeah. I don't know how everyone's brain works, but my brain just looks at it and it's like, okay, I wouldn't book you. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just I, I I guess it's just because it's like you're when you see him, you can tell. Oh yeah, he was a WWE guy because just look at the size of him. It's like it's kind of like I honestly like you. I was surprised like when Brian Cage isn't with being in AEW. It's like you you are kind of surprised that Vince didn't try to go for a guy like Brian Cage because you would think that that's the kind of guy that he would want on his roster. Just just built and just looks like a killing machine. I'm gonna go so, that he didn't. I don't. I think WWE might have offered him. I think it's that he doesn't want to go there because yeah. he actually was in the performance center under a different name when he was a much smaller person. And I just don't think that's his path. And WWA has, they drug test more. Not yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that might not work out for him well. I'm not saying, hey, he's 100% clean in my heart. But I don't know if the test would say that. I don't know. I love Brian Cage, no matter what. And, of course, wrestling is performance art, so I don't really care what you do. It's not, you know, if it was an actual competition like MMA and stuff, oh, yeah, I'd be all like, uh, don't ever do anything. But it looks as if he may partake, and that being the case, WWE's probably not where you want to be. Most likely. But, hey, Brock got caught in UFC. He's still there. It's Brock. Yeah, and Brock, he got that part-time waiver where he doesn't have to get drug tested because he's a part-time wrestler. <laughs> I, 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 it was genius. It was genius, you know. But it's and like I said, I'm one of those people. I, I will tell anyone, and people can hate me or whatever. If you want to use steroids, I think you should be able to, as long as it's for cosmetic purposes and not. And to rep, commit, it's rap wrestling, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like wrestling in essence would be cosmetic purposes, you know, because you know you are performing. You're not, you know, as long as it's cosmetic purposes and has a doctor. That's one of those opinions that I've always had. I think you should be good to go. So, because I'd rather someone do it under doctor supervision knowing how much everything that they're getting cycling on and off all the things that they can be done to protect a human than trying to figure it out on their own doing it at home or whatever and again i don't know that brian cage is on this but you know it's just, it's just it's looks, my, yeah. yeah it's like a person that has does not lift weights outside looking in people that lumpy usually aren't all natural i don't know man it's just i, I like i said i don't know i want to be clear i don't know <laughs> but you know just going going on groupthink and what most of the world thinks that is where my opinion comes from i am a very very small man so i have absolutely no say on any of this <laughs> yes very, yeah, yeah, very small Yes, I am a very large man who does not lift weights, you know, so <laughs> I just like, take, like I take say. Take all this with a grain of salt. Yes, take all this with a grain of salt. That dude could be like, have, has never seen one of those things in his life. But, you know, like I said, you know, what people say, you know, I don't know. But I just think there's a reason he's not in the WWE. I think it's more than likely he was there. He didn't like it. He's not going back. Which is totally understandable. Yeah. We had two backstage uh, segments. We had Alex Marvez, who interviewed Les Sex Gods, Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara. 
Alex Marvez asked why Chris Jericho attacked Orange Cassidy, and he uh, said clearly the reason why they attacked, uh, well, why Blood Orange is what he said was juiced all over the ring was because everyone loves OC, but he had the audacity to interrupt the inner circle not once but twice. And after that, we also had another backstage segment, uh, which was Tony Schiavone with Britt Baker, Dr. Britt Baker, who also during the entire show was sending messages to Tony through like a little pulley device over to the commentary booth, which was so fucking funny. (laughs) It was like, uh, I think uh, at one point she said when Abaddon came out, she sent a message to Tony Schiavone saying this broad needs Jesus, which is just, oh God, that's so funny. Um, Tony Schiavone makes the announcement that at Fighter Fest, the AEW Women's Championship will be defended by Hikaru Shida against Penelope Ford. She w- she did not like this and then proceeded to tell Tony that they- he was on a friendship timeout and uh, then yells, uh, saying she yells for her Rolls Royce to be dro- driven-, driven away. However, on the driver's seat was... My girl, Big Swole, who just simply said, where to, doctor? I loved, loved that she said that. I was like, please say where to. And she drives off, just Britt Baker screaming in the backseat, screaming in her wheelchair. And we just didn't see her for a bit. We, we eventually saw her later in the show, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, oh, I loved, loved that segment so much. Yes, this was a throwback to apparently an Attitude Era segment where someone basically said that exact same line. Uh, I just thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. And to me, it was the good kind of cheesy. If you understand what the good kind of cheesy was, I like a little cheese in my wrestling. It was the good kind of cheesy. And the fact that they're building up this rivalry, this heated rivalry of two people that actually don't like each other, and one is actually injured, is, is brilliant. I mean, no one does this. You know what I mean? It's just, and does it this effectively. Let me just say that. I mean, other people have done it, but it's just, Britt Baker is, seems like she's more a huge part of the show than she was when she was healthy. Yeah, and like, weird. she's, she's slow, she's coming into her heel persona so much more, and like, I, I thought she was so good on this show. Like, yeah. just... Her presence was amazing. Yeah, I was just telling Sydney, because, uh, you know, uh, she's thinking about doing some stuff talking about uh, Britt Baker, how I, a year ago, on this show, while we're getting, well, I wouldn't say right when, it was like right when Dynamite started, and she was still being a face, and I was like, this Britt Baker thing's just not working. And I kept, I was like, I don't know. I feel like this is their first swing and a miss. This Britt Baker thing's not working. And then they pivoted. And it was just seemed like everybody was saying the same thing. And I just like, I don't know if she works as a face. Maybe they should turn her heel. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. That was the answer. <laughs> that was the amazing answer. And she's even better at it than I thought she'd be. I thought she'd be a decent mid-car heel. She is definitely a main event heel. Oh yeah, she's done so well with this heel persona, and it's been, it's been the best uh, stuff that I've seen from her. And I enjoyed her as a as a babyface, but it seemed just kind of 
basic. It wasn't like anything too special. Um, like I know she really got into the Britsburg thing with her being a, from Pittsburgh and a big uh, Steelers fan, um, which um, was fine. But like I said, the character of Britt Baker is really been discovered with her turning heel and her whole role model stick, which I think has just been super good. So yeah, not nothing bad I can say about Britt Baker in her, in what she's been doing recently. It's just been nonstop quality. Yeah, she's everybody's role model, and like she's clearly becoming one of my favorite people in AEW. Uh, yeah, I can see that for sure. We then had the TNT champion, Cody, the American Nightmare, having his open challenge. And uh, he also allowed Double um, A, he had him talk about Jake Hager and talking about how... He knew he could beat Jake Jake Hager, but he also knew that knew in this business timing is everything, and the timing for the match is just not right. He wants to have kind of a training match going into it, and somebody that he's uh, checked out this guy, but he's also knows that this is a good place for you to way to hone your skills. And Floyd, you were right. Ricky Starks was the man who was taking on Cody in this open challenge. Talked about as being the hottest free agent in pro wrestling. Jake Hager watched this match backstage on a monitor. And yeah, this match was really, really good. I love the finish where they just went back and forth and just had a really good, uh, just just a really good sequence until eventually Cody hit the crossroads after he dodged the clothesline and also after Starks dodged the disaster kick and then hit a great spear on him. This was his third title defense he's had in a row, and it was a really, really strong match, and I think it's a good build-up to when Cody takes on Jake Hager. Floyd, what do you think? And you see the wheels start turning when it comes to Cody. When he's doing the speech, and Cody's one of those... He's one of those sly people. He loves to drop Easter eggs, and he's talking, and if you notice his hand on his chest... His, I think it's cramped up or is an injury or something, and he kept making like a four sign, and he talked about how he <laughs> felt abandoned by the elite. He talked about how are the nightmare family even a family, and then he has this four in on his hand, and he talks in the interview. If you listen to his promo, if you go back and watch it, it's almost disjointed. It was like he was going on one thought process and then went completely on another one. Come on. Cody's one of the best promos in the world. Everybody, man, it seemed like he got lost. Oh, that shit was on purpose. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I fully didn't see it, but now that you point out, I mean, the the amount of times he's had that four just just recently. Yeah, yes. Oh, something's coming. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, he, you know, he set it up, and he's like, like I said, it seemed disjointed. He still went on this path to talk about being alone, and then he's like, well, I gotta hone my skills, and it was just like, I even had somebody says that was a horrible promo by Cody, and I was like, not if you understood what he was doing, not if you mm-hmm. understood that he was leading you down one path, basically saying like his mind is divided. On which way he should go. It was great. And then Ricky starts. They give him the promo video. Arns. Let me tell you. Arns was a little like. 
I don't know if Orn got what he was supposed to say or what they were trying to do. Maybe uh-huh. I was wrong, but I don't feel like his lead-in was that great. But then Ricky Ricky Starks' promo package, he's like, I did it with grit and hard work to two things that says self-rates on Cody. So he immediately ties himself in with saying, you know what, a Cody. And he's like, I'm the former NWA television champion. You know what? We're not going to ignore what you did before we got here. We're going to acknowledge what you did before you got here. Love that. That's different about AEW. He's like, uh, you know, I'm coming here. And then he he used the Cody line against you. You said you can run with anybody. Well, buddy, I got my uh, shoelaces up tight. Man, I'm like, I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't like feel wrestling like I do in this place, but it kind of gave me chills when he said that because he, it, it was a throwaway line in a Cody promo. It wasn't the major point of a Cody promo. It's him saying, you put me on a track and I'll outrun you all. That was, that wasn't, it was like, it was great. It wasn't the focal point of the promo, but he took that line and he flipped it around him. He's like, you know what? You're going to have to run with me. Ricky Starks is amazing. I, 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 I is amazing promo guy. He is so good. He is talk you in to the arena good when it comes to promos. And you know, over the last month, FTR, Ricky Starks, they have brought in some amazing promo guys, and that is that's great. So Ricky Starks comes out, and you know, the one thing that. I did not know this the first time I watched a match. I was listening to, again, Voices of Wrestling, their flagship, and they were talking about Ricky Stark selling and how he sells everything. He even sells moves that he does on everybody else. So I'll go back to this more yesterday morning. I watched it again to the chagrin of my wife who, you know, hey, she has to sit through Dynamite every week. Now she had to sit through it twice for me doing some research for the show. And yes, if you anyone goes back every move... He did a leg drop on the apron on Cody. He sold it like it hurt him when he dived on Cody. You know what? He still sold. His face was grimacing. When Cody, you know, when the finish set up, he went for his finish and then Cody hit him with his own. It was all set up by all the selling that he did through that match. So, yeah, I mean, it, everything <laughs> seemed like just it just everything really clicked yeah and you know what it wasn't super smooth uh back in the day i even said it i kind of it was something i had to adjust the way i viewed wrestling because back in the day wrestling was kind of grimy you know even on the body slam nothing looked clean and crisp it was it was almost it was like a real fight so it was like the resistance was like that's what this match made me think of it wasn't super smooth you would never you would never confuse it with like a osprey match but it looked more real than say any other fight yeah, I mean, I was really, I was really impressed by the match. As somebody who, like I said, I haven't watched a ton of NWA Power. Um, as somebody who's not too familiar with Starks, um, I really enjoyed this match, and I've been thoroughly enjoying Cody's open challenge that he's been doing. And I think every single week there is something different in the match that I think adds something, and it gives Cody uh, a re- in the TNT ch- Championship a really good spotlight. And I think eventually, if Cody ever does lose the belt, which I'm sure we'll get to that point, whoever holds it next is going to be like it's going to be a huge deal for them. And I think they're really doing a good job building up the title. 
Absolutely. Uh, it is the t- title most frequently defended on AEW, and it's only been around a few weeks. And I'm looking forward to who else they bring in. I'm looking to who else they bring in to fight them. I actually heard a rumor today, and this has not been recorded, so this is not a spoiler. I heard a rumor today that Matt Cardona or Zack Ryder is going to be one of the uh, people answering the challenge one of these days. So it hasn't been recorded, so that's not a spoiler. I just heard a rumor and decided to share it. If that happens, I am I am all for that. All for that. If he gets, even if he gets signed or not, like just to see him, I think would be super cool. The thing with Cardona, because of his podcast, he has a huge following. And I'm guaranteeing you most of his following probably does not watch AEW. So if he could bring a few hundred more thousand eyes just from people following his show, bring him in. Uh, And he has a WWE look. So he's bigger than anybody on your roster, which automatically makes him a threat. Uh, And he's one of those people... I, I say more than anybody that came from the WWE or that ever comes, his do-it-yourself spirit is the spirit of what AEW is. He got himself over before WWE even considered getting him over. And then they buried him, and then he came back, and, you know, and he has that Intercontinental Championship moment at WrestleMania. Then he has... The uh, WWE or the Raw Tag Team titles winning those belts at WrestleMania in New York. And it's just like, from what he was, like, almost released to what he ended up being, being there over 10 years, you have to give, you know, you have to give him all the credit in the world for surviving. Yeah, no, 100%. Yes. Now, now we'll get into the next matchup. We have, we had the Young Bucks taking on the super bad death squad Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. Um I really enjoyed this match as well. I thought the finish like the way the tag team moves that were put on like I thought the finish where uh Kip Sabian ha- they had Kip Sabian get caught catch Jimmy Havoc uh in the tombstone pile driver position and then they super kick him and he falls and the tombstone happens it was just one of the craziest, oddest things I've ever seen a tag team do, and of course, only the Young Bucks do it. It makes it makes complete sense why they would, how that would happen. It was a really just you saw the Young Bucks do what they do as a tag team, just do nonstop, unbelievable moves, and it was a strong match as well for the Super Bad Death Squad. After the match happened, though, when the Young Bucks got the Young Bucks ended up picking up the victory, the Butcher and the Blade came out and started taking assaulting the bucks uh but ftr also ran in and then everything it was just a complete just brawl between all of them um but the bucks and ftr were the two teams that ended up standing tall they hit stereo mind breakers on both the super bad death squad and the butcher and the blade as a prove yourself and just kind of a who can do it better and just just teasing even more for when we see these guys wrestle. It's just the build for this is just going to be, oh, it's going to be tantalizing. You just want to see it so bad, like Floyd said. You just need to see these guys go at it. And it's just we just got to wait and wait. But when we see it, it's going to be the the wait for when they finally t- uh, face off. It's just it's going to be unbelievable. The fact that they have went out of their way for them not to touch each other. 
Oh yeah. It has been really great. Because that's all people have been waiting on, is those two to fight each other. And they won't even touch each other right now. Stereo, Mindbreaker, and Melter Driver was just amazing. And it was just like something, you know, like, it was something that I always wanted that I never knew I wanted. Because it was just, it was great. And it's like, and now you saw, you kind of see why they went from using... Uh, the Good Night Express, aka the Shatter Machine, to the Pile Driver. It's like, okay, theirs is a you, theirs is a Spike Tombstone. Ours is a Spike Pile Driver. We're gonna do it better than you. And I I love that aspect of it. Butcher and the Blade. I'm thinking it's building up to like a four on four match eventually. Um, I'm just I, I I'm really just excited. Uh, for what these two can do the whole putting making your opponents tombstone each other was something I had never seen before or if I had seen it before I don't remember it but it was amazing uh, I thought uh, Kip Sabian is one of those people you know you put him in there with someone that can move fast and he can play off of them he does end up looking a lot better uh, Jimmy Havoc just being the crazy guy works too. I, like I said, I'm just very happy. I'm very happy with, uh, how it turned out. I'm very happy with how that match turned out. And it's like, I, I, the Bucks, I put in that same level as Kenny. Good is like their low. This match was good. And that's, that's their bottom. Is good. And then after yeah. the match, yeah, I mean... It, it looks like it's setting up for something big, and I'm just looking forward to whatever it is. When it happens, it's that it's, it's going to be. I, I'm almost certain it's going to be one of the matches that's like just held as AEW's like best of the best. We then, oh no, go for it. Had a, we then had a clip from earlier in the day that was of Taz and Brian Cage. Taz. <laughs> was just going after John Moxley, the AEW champion, called him a miserable son of a bitch, said, you brought this on yourself, Mox. And Brian Cage was just like, I wish Fighter Fest was right now so I could just tear you apart. And just you can see that we're getting to the point when these guys go after each other, it's going to be just an explosion of just just violence, it seems like. We then had, we found where Be- Big Swole took Dr. Britt Baker in that Rolls Royce. It was in a dumpster. Uh, she was found outside the arena in the dumpster. She swears she's going to get revenge on Big Swole and was just screaming. And Oh, I was, I was losing it. I was dying of laughter during this because she was just... Oh, it was so funny. He's like, where is Tony Schiavone? You put him in a friend timeout. That doesn't matter. She, he's supposed to be here to protect me. I was, I, was, I was near tears of laughter just watching this. It was so, so entertaining. She's such a bully, and I love it. <laughs> I mean, uh, Rebel is there the whole time. She can't even be bothered to remember her name. That moment when it finally happens, whenever it happens, and Reva turns on her. You know, it's not to me. You know, she's probably never gonna wrestle. But that moment, that crucial moment where Reva, you know, hits her from the behind or stands up for herself is gonna be amazing. It does remind me a little bit of the million dollar man and Virgil type of relationship. She's kinda of like her butler and it's like you don't really understand why. After this we had the second of our two main events for this show. We had the number one contenders for the tag team championships, best friends, taking on the sex gods, the winner 
of this match was going to face Kenny Omega and Hangman fra- Hangman Page at Fighter Fest for the tag team titles. Now this match was a good one. I'm really enjoying seeing best friends in a in a strong high up position right now, and I like the push that they're getting. The Sex Gods is very entertaining. I think I personally prefer Sammy Guevara in a singles position, but that's just me. I think Sammy's super good, and I think like once he can really shine by himself, which he's done before, we've seen him do unbelievable stuff uh, in the past, but I think the moment that Sammy can really get some time to sh- shine on his own, even still as part of this inner circle, I think Sammy can be like s- one of AEW's like, strongest heels. And there was a point in the match near the end where Sammy went for his finish. He gets pushed back into the ropes, and then inadvertently, he gets tripped up by a cameraman on the outside. And then Trent would eventually take take the advantage and just dumped Sammy on his head and got the pinfall victory. The cameraman was then revealed to be one and only Orange Cassidy, who reveals himself... Gets in front of Chris Jericho and just clobbers him. Takes him down, starts wailing on him, hits him with a Superman punch. Different kind of OC. We have never seen Orange Cassidy be this just furious and putting this much effort into anything. Any rivalry whatsoever. So OC just makes sure to just hit Jericho with that Superman punch before he runs off. And this feud between Jericho and OC has got... He's, it's been very, very interesting. Because it's the kind of feud that you wouldn't expect to get. But it's been building very well. That one... That segment after that match with OC in the inner circle where... Those blood oranges got wailed against OC. Made this seem way, way bigger. And now... We've seen a different side of Orange Cassidy. And I think it's just freaking awesome. What do you think, man? From the beginning with Orange Cassidy, I said his character worked very well. Uh, The big thing with uh, Mr. Cassidy is that I knew it was going to take a triggering moment to uh, make him come out of his character, be more aggressive, be more of a wrestler than just a gimmick. And so I was very excited when this happened. I was very excited when he got beat with the Oranges because I figured that was going to be the turning point of the character and the best thing about it is that it happened with Chris Jericho. Now, Chris Jericho when it comes to AEW is the star maker. You put you well, you put him with uh Scorpio Sky, Darby, anyone and you know, he automatically makes them look better. Even uh Sammy Guevara staring next to him, Sammy G is uh looks better when he's next to Jericho. So this has happened, and the fact that he was the camera guy uh, was amazing. I knew he was going to have something to do with the end of the match, but that was a perfect way to do it. And the fact that we see a more aggressive side of Orange Cassidy gets me even more excited for Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy when they go up against each other at Fighter Fest. Yeah, and I mean, it's just great to see a feud like this and like you said Jericho being the star maker that he is like it shows just how important that signing was not only just to get fans into all elite wrestling to begin with but just to be such a veteran when it comes to being in the locker room and just really just taking these guys that a lot of people may not know 
and then just elevating them in a way where fans that know Chris Jericho but wouldn't necessarily know Sammy Guevara or know Darby Allen, it helped so much. And Jericho, Cody, a lot of the guys who've been wrestling for a very long time and are already familiar with the fans have done really well with helping out a lot of the up-and-coming talent on the roster. And it's got a great vibe to it for sure. And yeah, that was that was really one of the that was it's just one of my favorite things that I've seen. And yeah, Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy for Fighter Fest and is I'm, just gonna be super good. I like the idea that the best friends did not lose their number one contender spot. I thought it would have been kind of janky after they, they did everything they can to get work up to number one, and then to lose the spot to Chris Jericho and Sammy G. I love Lasix gods, but I just think they're good enough to get a title shot on their own, whether than steal anyone else's, which, again, it would have been great because they are heels. So to come in and steal someone's uh, title shot at the last minute would have been awesome. But I am more looking forward to Best Friends versus Omega and uh, Paige. And then we have uh, the Orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho. So it's really interesting how that Best Friends and OC... Uh, you know, they they work as a faction, but they're both getting over at the same time. Yeah, and I'm so excited for Best Friends getting this title shot. I'm not, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off. I would love it if they would, if they do, but it's going to be, prop. it's going to be a really interesting match. It's probably one of the matches I'm looking forward to the most at Fighter Fest. And overall, that was AEW Dynamite for this week. And now we'll give you guys a little preview of what we have this upcoming week for next week's Dynamite. We have matches like Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy. These two have obviously been going at it for a while. And the differing personalities of Matt Hardy has been entertaining us out. And Sammy is finally going to be able to get some revenge after those those attacks that he suffered from Matt Hardy. FTR is going to take on Natural Nightmares. I'm very excited for that match. Anytime I get to see FTR, is going to be super good. We get Luchasaurus and Wardlow, who, are, who after that altercation this week, they're having a match, but they're having a Lumberjack match, which is going to be AEW's first Lumberjack match. I'm very excited to see how that goes. Brody Lee and Cole Cabana are teaming, and they're going to be facing Sony, Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela. So seeing Brody and Colt team, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, we're also going to have Cody make an appearance, of course. We don't know if we're going to have a TNT we championship. We are going to have a TNT match. Oh, we are? They're okay. Thanks for open challenge. All right. I cool. don't know if I this is going to so. be the Matt Cordona, Zack Ryder week, or it'll be later. But uh, since the show is live, you probably won't know until they announce it that day. Hell yeah. So, yeah, we have that, and then also Moxley will be there, and Taz is once again going to be on commentary for Mo- for Moxley when he's competing or whatever he's doing. So he's going to be running his mouth for sure. And then we have the face-off between Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy for their match at Fighter Fest, and I'm very intrigued to see how OC responds on the mic. If he, if he tries on the mic or if he just straight up just beats the hell out of him or if Jericho and Cassidy just can't take it anymore they just beat the crap out of each other until they get separated yeah it was kind of funny orange cassidy says uh said uh, after the show he's like you don't know me don't attack me and my friends with baseball bats like it's like that was the th- or you know that was the thing that uh 
took him over the top. That was the thing that pissed him off was him being just attacking him and his friends. And I think more his friends than him. He doesn't like to be hit, but you come after his uh, friend's family. That's a big issue. Next week, we do get FTR again against Natural Nightmares. I'm very excited about that because, again, FTR, favorite tag team in the world. I am looking forward to watching them work. Every week this month, in the month of June, we, we would get uh, a, a FTR uh, FTR appearance and a Cody match or, you know, both in the same night. And for me, that is my professional wrestling. That is the wrestling I have been hoping for for about a year. Uh, Luchasaurus and Wardlow. I mean, that's that's going to be fun. Uh, lumberjack match. Like, only reason it's funny to me is I don't see, like, what set that up. I always liked the old school when the people had a match and then um, they battle on the outside and there'd be a count out. And, you know, they fight and brawl. And it was like, well, we need a way to keep you inside the ring. So that's when you have the Lumberjack match. Starting with their first match being a Lumberjack match doesn't really make sense. But I know AEW has built up enough cachet with me over the last eight months of doing television that I'm just going to trust the process. Yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. But that's going to do it for this episode of All Things Elite. Thank you guys so much for watching and and listening. Yeah, before we get off, I do want to say, and I know you're going to go through your end part, but shout out to Abaddon, AEW's Wrestler of the Week. Yeah! Yeah. I am 100%. I I didn't even realize she was named that, but you know what? That's fucking awesome. We uh literally, I was just like looking on Twitter and it popped up as like one of the All Elite Wrestling posts. So I was like, let me just say that on the show really quick. I think Abaddon is going to do some good things now. And considering how a lot of the women that are normally on TV aren't able to be on TV right now, I think Abaddon's really going to take this opportunity and run with it. So I'm excited to see what happens with it, her. But again, it's yeah. good to see a character in the women's side. She's not going to have five-star matches. That's not her character. And I hope no one expects that. That's not what she's there for. She's the person that when you have a good guy, they're going to have to survive to beat her. Or if it's a bad guy, they're going to have to cheat to beat her. She's this unstoppable force, and I love that. Mm -hmm. Making sure your characters are just as good as the actual wrestling is really important for making your show entertaining. And I think AEW's done a good job of balancing that. But yeah, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to follow us on social media, follow us at AT Elite Podcast. Follow at Social Suplex. Follow myself, SZumer4. And follow Floyd at Floyd Johnson Jr. Now, Floyd, take us home, buddy. All right. Uh, Just want to, this week, it's been a bit of a rough week uh, in the world of wrestling. You've heard of some news you didn't want to hear, and I completely understand that. Uh, I completely understand that people might be down or whatever, but understand wrestling will survive. It's bigger, you know, wrestling, uh, wrestling will keep going on, and it's about the art. You know what I mean? It's about that, and I hope it continues. Like, the people that I've known the best and I've grown the closest to in my life, I've gotten through wrestling. So I I, I really do want y'all to remember that as you're going through, that even though there's some bad stuff out there, there are some good things. So just try to focus on that. It is, the you know, I always say being positive is not easy. It is work. 
it is effort. It's like it is deciding to look at the glass as half full and not empty. And I know at times, especially like these, it's really difficult. But just remember, you know, uh, just remember we're here for you. You can always hit us up and you always got an ear. But uh, when it comes to life, though, when it comes to life, whether you're at home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite. Hashtag wear mask.